coming up on this week's episode of the Big Footy Podcast. We talk about Carlton requesting assistance from the AFL. We talk about the latest from Essendon. We talk about food prices coming down at the MCG. And we talk about the latest from the AFL's financial reports. All that and more coming right up. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Big Footy Podcast. I am the Wookie. It has been a big week in footy and joining me to discuss all manner of footy things is a man who who may or may not have tried to break into the Hawthorne rooms last night to steal Luke Hodges' game day underwear. Messenger, good evening. I've got them. (laughs) As always, here to discuss all things Essendon, we have a man who has spent the week asking what that downy hair is that's suddenly developed on his chest. Prosecutor, good evening. I have hair on my chest. <laughs> That's what it is, yes. Uh, rounding off this week's crew, we are again joined by uh, someone who will tell us all about why Carlton is in trouble. And the season hasn't even started. Good evening, Shandog. Good morning. And later, if we're lucky, Seppo will join us to tell us all about the game in Fremantle against Melbourne and other things. And since Fremantle are currently winning that, the chances are pretty good. Oh, so. I'd just, just like to say, we've, we've gone full-time now over in WA. Yes. And Nathan Jones has shanked it. <laughs> Sorry. Fremantle have won in a completely and utterly soul-destroying game. 61-43. to 43. Is that the fourth fourth kick out on the full in their forward line? Uh, in this quarter? Actually, I didn't quite make to the boundary line. Oh. Could you three. just clarify if it's soul-destroying it's, for the players well, or if it's for the viewers? It's Would you say- pretty much soul-destroying for everyone. Nobody looks very particularly pleased, other than the fact that it's over. <laughs> Would you say that Fremantle are going to win the flag based on this performance, Messenger? Oh, look, most certainly. Most certainly. There's nothing nothing, nothing uh, uh, forecasts uh, brilliance in September like beating Melbourne in March. <laughs> it's the March 13 uh, champions. Now, uh, before we get into the meaty parts of the show, there's a few brief bits of news I want to bring up for you. Uh, former AFL player Carmichael Hunt has been found guilty of four counts of possession of prohibited substance. Uh, he was fined $2,500 by the Southport Magistrates Court today and no conviction was reported, and sounds a little bit light to me, uh, but uh, in response, the Australian and Queensland Rugby Unions have fined him another $30,000, stripped him of the vice-captaincy of the Queensland Reds, suspended him for another eight weeks, and are forcing him to go to rehab. I've got one question for you guys on this before we move on. What does it say about our legal system and our sports justice systems that he can get a higher penalty for sport for uh, for this than uh, from his sport than he does from a court. Mm. I would say that the court probably doesn't want its time wasted by this sort of business. So why is a sport wasting its time policing this kind of stuff if the court won't do it either? Because the it's probably because a greater it's... injury to the brand of the Queensland Reds than it is to the peace and general tranquility of the people of Queensland. Fickle. Jeremy Cameron has signed a five-year deal worth more than $4 million to stay at the Greater Western Sydney. Uh, through our W reports, Adelaide offered more money over seven years. He didn't take it. Uh, there's other reports saying that there are up to eight clubs making some fairly hefty bids for him. And no surprise, he did show some stuff. Um, overpaid, Pross? Probably underpaid using the tomboy precedent. Mm, mm, mm. Um, Good. I mean, it's good for GWS, but I'm actually surprised that um, it got wrapped up this quickly. Well, Over that... 40 might have sounded out a few more offers and uh, potentially made his way to Victoria. Well, they reckon that there'll be some more uh, signings announced tomorrow from GWS, so um, it looks like they're well on their way to retaining uh, the players that they want to keep. Um, the Hawthorne Football Club had a break-in at Waverley Park last night. Someone broke in through the car park and smashed a window near the club rooms. Um, it's been reported as an attempted burglary by the police, although the club says no access was gained to critical areas and all the Premiership Cups remain untouched and Alistair, game, uh, Alistair Clarkson's game plan is still in the safe. Uh, messenger? Well, Carlton will go to any lengths <laughs> to tr- for success. They've tried recruiting our staff 
They've tried uh, brown paper bags, and uh, now we're down to breaking into the club rooms. I did hear that they saw someone running away from it, yelling, I swear I'm not Stephen Trigg. So, you know, take well, that face value, I guess. the normal level of deception that Street Stephen Trigg has executed throughout his career. And as promised, we're joined by Seppo, fresh from the Fremantle, uh, Melbourne, well, television, I guess. Se- Seppo? Hey, how you going, guys? Yeah, good. Oh, he's got a, you got a little jig in your step, haven't you? You won a big footy game. Are you going to win the flag now, Seppo? No. And Melbourne won that game. It was uh, three injuries to one, so they came away with the points there. <laughs> yes, yeah, so Duffield's um, shoulder didn't look very good at the end there, did it? Yeah, it's either a collarbone or an AC joint. It's something that looks pretty nasty. Uh, who were the other? Just for the just because I missed the other injuries. Can you just tell us who else got hurt? Uh, Barlow and Mundy had slightly rolled ankles, but they don't look too bad. It's the Duffield one that looks like the serious one for that. Mm. And who was injured from Melbourne? Um, early on, I can't remember who came off. I don't know if it was Newton or Pedersen. I think one of those two guys went down early. Newton was subbed out. I think I saw Pedersen towards the end at Modern. Newton was subbed out, though. Yeah. Well, Seppo, you've joined us just in time. The AFL has announced an annual gay pride match, uh, which will be held. But uh, this year's one will be held between Fremantle and Sydney. Yeah, I saw that discussed uh, just on our board today, and I thought it was odd the timing of a, a themed round in the pre-season, but I think it's to do with the timing of the Mardi Gras in Sydney, I believe, and being Sydney's home game, played out in the outer suburbs there, it's probably just by chance of the fixture and timing that just becomes a Sydney Frio fixture. And I think they've talked about it in the past, about being maybe a main season themed round. So I'm sure we'll see in the future. don't know who it's going to belong to, but I think it's just by chance and timing that it's between us and Sydney. I think season. normally the season's underway by the time uh, that game would be held. So Because mm. uh, we're starting very late this year due to the World Cup. Uh, Channel 7 have announced its commentary team for VFL telecast this season. The broadcast will be hosted by former Fox footy commentator Jason Bennett and former player agent, I uh, was sorry, with player agent, former Springvale and Collingwood player Nigel Carmody. Uh, special comments will come from Campbell Brown when he's not swimming the English Channel. And Channel 7 will show the VFL at midday on Saturdays throughout the season for the next two years. Now, guys, I reckon we should have a, uh, a relegation system for the commentators. If you have a shocker, and, you know, Basil Zemplis puts in a shocking effort on the weekends, he gets to go back to the Magoos for next week and got to make a good call to get back onto the uh, the main slot. What do you think? Oh, I Basil, think we add the, um... What did the VFL do wrong to deserve that? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Basil Zemplis will end up commentating county footy somewhere <laughs> for the Riverland or something at the rate he's going. I think we need to add in the camera people and the uh, the guy in the van as well. Chris Kias will be um, getting a gig in his stead. <laughs> Maybe. I, got, I'm, the... I'm very disappointed that Pete Donegan hasn't managed to pop up on this. I, I, I know, Seppo, will you, I don't know if you watch much of the VFL, but his commentary on the ABC's coverage last year was very good. He just calls the game. There's no mucking around. And he just he's accurate. He's insightful and it's a real shame that he's been replaced by Jason Bennett this is the guy you're talking about the guy from the ABC commentary aren't you yeah absolutely he was very good good. I think that's scattered of great commentators that are are very knowledgeable in the state leagues I'm sure the Waffle and the Sample have their equivalent ABC or whoever the uh, partners are broadcasting for those things that it'd be great to see some of those guys get the chance and opportunity um, through there but well, if nothing else, it spreads the talent pool out further uh, for time to come. Anyway, moving into the main stories for the week, and uh, we'll start with food prices at the MCG coming down, uh, and this will particularly affect Messenger and his brood of uh, children. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> My kids don't go to the footy. No? No, they don't go. I, well, I think I'm actually a bit disappointed the prices have come down because... Then I can afford it again, and otherwise I was bringing sandwiches and living a more healthy lifestyle. Okay, at the start of the season, Gillan McLaughlin stood up and said, "We are going to try and do something about uh, food prices," and everyone laughed at it. Because even I did because I didn't. There's not a lot the AFL can do about it. They don't control the catering. They don't have anything to do with the catering contract at the MCG. 
And then yesterday, the MCG came out and said they're going to cut food prices by up to 40%. They're going back to 2001 levels here. It's fantastic, though, if you actually look at the price comparisons line for line. In a legit way. Yeah, it's actually, they're probably going to generate more sales from it because looking at those price drops, people probably rushing, if they can handle the MCG to Mm. to service that many people, they actually buy a chips for. Four dollars instead of eight, or whatever the yeah. It's uh, chips are. are down from five sixty to four dollars. Pies are down from four eighty to four dollars. Uh, hot dogs six fifty down to four dollars. Chicken schnitzel burgers down from ten dollars to seven dollars fifty. Water from five dollars down to four dollars. Uh, soft drink, uh, sorry, water from five dollars down to three. Soft drink from five to four. Sushi from six eighty to five. If anyone's eating sushi and you're at the football, you're at the wrong game. I think, uh, but salad eleven fifty down to eight dollars. And again, if you're eating salad and you're at the football, honestly, I don't think you know what you're doing with your life. I've never seen salad sold. At, I've never <laughs> seen anybody eat a salad at the football. Uh, beer trades will be free instead of a dollar, uh, but alcohol prices will stay the same. I, I, I honestly, um, I think the response from Adelaide Oval was pretty funny. Their manager was just flabbergasted by the whole thing. He doesn't know how the MCG is doing it. Um, Adelaide Oval says there's no way they could sustain it. <laughs> so, You're talking about, what, three three potatoes shredded into chips and deep fried and they can't sell them for under $4. Apparently, uh, and, and this is the important part as well, along with the cut, the MCC says serving sizes won't change. So, but yeah, Adelaide Oval says its budgets are already done and they won't be following suit. Uh, Darren Chandler told uh, 5AA Radio it's a bit of a mystery to us as to how they're able to do it um, th- and there's no way that they can drill it in. Uh, other stadiums with spotless catering services like uh, uh, Suncorp... Etihad? Uh, no, Etihad's done by Delaware North. Okay. Um, there is not a one-model-fits-all solution that can be re- uh, used across all stadiums according to Spotless. As such, we do not expect this one outcome at the MCG to result in pricing... <laughs> Uh, in reduced pricing with our stadium clients across Australia and New Zealand. So who's providing the case? Spotless are out of the MCG. Who's in now? Uh, Epicure, which is a spotless company, is at uh, the MCG. Part they're of the... spot, they're, oh, they're part of Spotless. Yes. Part of their deal, part, part of the, to get this over the line, they had to extend uh, Epicure's contract until 2022. But at the end of the day, you get a 40% cut in your food, and I think that's worth... Uh, uh, probably worth the contract extension. Now, the MCC uh, says that $2 million a year will be spent by the club and the catering company uh, to subsidise the price cut until 2022. There's, no, there's nothing here that says the AFL is going to be contributing to this, but we'll know more with next year's annual report whether the... Uh, Stuff suggests that they're not as well. That's right. So we'll know with the annual report next year whether the, the AFL's, uh, the AFL payment to the MCG goes up by more than CPI. So, But because uh, the AFL currently contributes about $7 million a year to the MCG in rent and other things for the Northern Stand. So we'll, we'll see more. But uh, at the end of the day, this is great news. This goes along with many other initiatives that the AFL is bringing back um, that are going to be good for fans. All they need to do now is get some KFC. Sorry, Pross. Uh, Credit to Gil. He's making a good fist of the uh, making it the people's game again, if you want to call it that. He's delivering on stuff that I think the AFL forgot about uh, last year with the ticketing and the timing of games, and uh, I think that really shook them. Like you don't expect crowds in Melbourne to drop by what they did, and they just. 10% 10% in the end or something like that, wasn't it? It was. It was. A, I think it was a big shock to the AFL. And it, it's, it, it really does show that if they do listen to one thing, it's people coming through the gate. And the AFL has always been about more than television because they make so much revenue from non-television sources. Um, more than half their revenue comes outside of TV broadcasts. And people don't understand that. Everyone's like, it's all about TV, it's all about TV. But it's not all about TV. There's a lot more than TV broadcasting at the AFL. So you take a 10% hit in uh, in attendance and it affects the bottom line. But you know what, though? This, this food thing's only going to appease the people that are actually going to the game. I can't imagine this drop in food price is going to convince a lot more people to go to the footy. It sounds like the big issue at, 
attendances are actually evolving around clubs' membership and the cost of actually getting to the game. And more or less the fixture, I think, is probably going to fix more of the uh, attendance yeah. things with those better time slots and, and games spread oh. around. But being able to have things like kick-to-kick after the game on the grounds and things like that, and having uh, VFL games before uh, some some uh, games, and not stuffing around with ticketing pricing well, on the day in some cases. I think Anzac Day last year, they were playing around with ticketing on the day. Well, we had yep. the silly circumstance early in, in last season where they had the, um, the variable pricing for the Hawthorne-Geelong game. Yep. And had people pay a premium, and then pay thirty another minutes one. later, reverse the policy and have people pay half the price for for the seats next to them. I mean, it was it was it was ludicrous. So, so I don't know, I think, Sepp, I think the, the the food prices make a difference if you're going as a group. I mean, it all you know it all adds up, and if you can make it fifteen or twenty dollars cheaper a visit, then it might might be enough to have some people. Um, make that extra visit a season. I suppose me as an individual, it's not going to affect me, but I can see it really benefiting families and groups when you've got, you know, your, your dad and mum trying to feed two or three kids, it's going to make the difference for them. So they might be more inclined to actually go to the footy rather than sit at home. Yeah, and, and, that's, and that's what I think the AFL's after. The AFL wants those people to come back, people that used to go to the game. It got too expensive for them. And the AFL's saying, OK, look, we've tried to address all that stuff for you. How about you? Yeah, it's, it's an investment into the future, isn't it? I mean, they really... I mean, you've got to think of the children. It's exactly it. Now, while we're on the matter of uh, crowds... <laughs> it's... Sorry, we meant to keep... We meant to play that straight, weren't we? <laughs> well, yeah, thanks for ruining that. But while we're on the, on the matter of crowds and attendances, Shandog, um, Carlton have uh, appealed to the MCs... Uh, not the MCs, to the AFL for some assistance in terms of their membership... Um, well, that's, that's fair because um, I, I googled um, why doesn't Carlton have enough members and it couldn't tell me. So, <laughs> two two that's... years ago, the uh, Carlton passed fifty thousand members. It set itself a membership record. There was uh, chuffing along quite nicely, as it were. And last year it didn't get to that target. It was one of the few clubs not to break a record last year. Only hit forty seven thousand. And this year, it's they're about six thousand behind on the same time last year. Shandog, what's going on at Carlton? Well, that's a very good question. Um, and I think a lot of different people have opinions of it that all sort of attack it from different angles, whether it's on-field success or it's um, the club, uh, feeling connected to the club and actually like the administration and board and all that sort of thing actually pay attention to what the fans want. Probably very similar to what people have felt about the AFL overall. But I don't know. Would you say, Wook, that, um, that Carlton fans have been traditionally um, hard to sign up? Yeah, I think... I think so. I think there's part of it's because we play uh, games at the MCG and there's tends to be seating available for those games. Um, Carlton, yeah, the Etihad thing's not very popular at all. And Etihad's and, uh, not popular. We've been popular. saying it for a long time, yeah. Yeah, Etihad is just not a popular destination for Carlton fans at all. In fact, I, th- I think we'd be still think we'd be better off playing at Visey Park or whatever it's called now. Icon. Uh, Icon yeah. Park, Princess Park or whatever it is. Uh, <laughs> but I... You know, I, I don't think there'd be any difference if if we played at Princess Park or if we played at the MCG or Eddie had. I, I think memberships would be about the same level. What they can do about that, I don't know. But one thing that makes they, uh, yeah, go. One, sorry, I was one thing I didn't even realise until today, and I heard it on the radio is the actual average price for a Carlton membership is one of the more expensive ones in the league. I think it's around I don't know general home admission is something like eight hundred and forty for the season. Where the next one downs, I think the Bombers for about seven twenty. And then Collingwood comes in just a bit under that. So I was, I was that surprised to hear that Carlton members are actually forking out a bit of money. Heard well, a couple, is that a 17-game that's, membership? That's, yeah, that's with reserve seating, though. But I is that every... That's all home and away games in Victoria? I don't know if it's comparable to other memberships, but I imagine so. It's, it's, yeah, it sounds like a lot of money for what you would get for a reserve seat membership. Yeah, and I think thinking back to I think some of the the um, charts that you've produced before, Wookie, that say uh, Carlton's definitely in the top small handful of uh, clubs for the average amount of money earned from uh, per member, sort of thing. So, you know, it's quite, I guess it's one of those chicken and egg situations. Is is it we've put the prices up because not enough Carlton fans traditionally sign up as members, or is it the other way around? You know, it's it's mm. one of those really tough things that I think the only thing that's going to fix it is plenty of on-field success, and I think, you know, mm. we've just got to try and get that sorted. Just, um, the screw, man. 
Just a, a note. <laughs> Carlton's GA adult general admission membership is only $210. But um, I think it's about $30 more than some other clubs are doing for general admission. So. Yeah, I can get stuck into other Carlton fans too about signing up because I live in Adelaide and it cost me seventy dollars for a hat and and some and feel good you know emotions well, for signing I, up. <laughs> I know at least two people that would normally buy Carlton membership that have flatly refused this year because there's no game in Adelaide. Yeah, and, you know, I, and I honestly thought about that as well, but I uh, ended up ponying up the money. So yeah, no, we are well. These people protested. <laughs> by not buying a membership at all this year. Well, it doesn't sound like they're the only ones, so not, maybe not, some messages will get through. I see no reason why every Victorian club can't visit every state at least once. But that's another discussion uh, that we're not going to have now. Now, we're going to move along, um, unless you guys have further uh, shots you mm, want to take. Mm. Far away. No. <laughs> <laughs> we're still going to play Friday nights, whether you like it or not, Messenger. Sorry. Oh, so, see, so, this is what happens when you start losing Vizy as a sponsor. Your membership goes down, so yeah. you can't. They don't. They're not uh, doing backhanded little deals where they're buying half of your memberships. Um, and, and no environmental ambassador. No, I know. Mm. Captain Judd's gone. You can fix. You can fix all of this by being playing decent football and winning games, and then they'll come. Captain Judd can join Captain Watson on holidays this year, maybe. <laughs> Anyway, <laughs> and on that note, we'll move on to Essendon, prosecutor. <laughs> Sorry, I've been dealing with snarky Richmond people today. Essendon have named several players from its 2012 list for this weekend's game against St Kilda and Morwell. Uh, these players requested to play. They're not part of the... Uh, they're the first players, really, from that 2012 list to be confirmed as not involved in the saga... Um, they're not. They're not before the tribunal. Uh, currently waiting their fate. So uh, Elliot Kavanagh, Nico Bryan, Lachlan Dalglish have all been named this weekend. Uh, Pros, thoughts? Yeah. That's one, what, two, three in the uh, BNF, uh, isn't it? <laughs> 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 Nothing. Oh, jeez. Tough crowd tonight. Tough crowd. Um. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, players can do what they want. Um, mm. Ultimately, it's their career as well, and um, especially uh, those three players mentioned, uh, you know, it's a make-or-break year for them, and, you know, they've, they've got to do what they've got to do, and in the end, this is their professional career as well, and if they're not facing show course notices, then, you know, I mean, who are the other players to ask them to risk their careers or, you know, to risk the prospering... Uh, Future prosperation, if that's a word, of their careers. Prosperity. So, prosperity, thank you. Prosperation is what happens when you have too much prosperity and it all sweats out of you. I'm a bit confused. Yeah, with those four players mentioned, can't you work sort of backwards with all the players at the other club and actually work out who the 34 now, even though they're trying to hide their um, uh, identity? Well, hang on. Let's get this right. They're only trying to hide the identities of the people who still play at Essendon. They're not worried about the guys who are playing in other clubs. Oh, yeah, you yeah, can yeah. name, you can say whatever you like about them. Yeah, yeah. Stuart Camry's <laughs> been named every freaking time. <laughs> yeah, it's right. So Angus Monfries, but, we know, we know. <laughs> it's like by process of elimination, and these four are playing, and and what else with all the other um, new draftees and other players imported? You can sort of look at the Essendon list now and almost pick out the uh, thirty-four, well, couldn't you? There's there's twelve there's twelve players left, I think, that haven't been identified for Essendon, more or less, or something like that. Uh, and a list of sixteen when, when or something. Con- it could when, be. When contrasting mm. compared to um, Robbo and the Herald Sun's list they posted, where they had like eight players or whatever. Um, yeah, it's something like uh, eight out of twelve players. Uh, who were from 2012 uh, on the list. So um, two of them, two of the four who probably weren't involved would be uh, Wendelik and Zaharakis, and then there's two others from about 10 players who weren't part of the program. So, yeah, I yeah, mean... we bring up the Danaher situation? Oh! <laughs> <laughs> I, we, someone had to do it. Yeah, no, Danaher wasn't part of the program. You better yeah. hope not. Well, separate programs. As was um, as was put to me, he, he wasn't part of the program. So why was he interviewed for four and a half hours by Osada? Yeah. Well, first of all, say hello to Eccles for me. Yes, I will. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, 
put this, well, I'll put this back at you. Why was, um, why were none of our first year players put on the program, but Danaher was? I'm not saying he was, I'm saying why was he interviewed by Asada? Well, probably because he was involved with the club in some capacity back then, and he obviously had his own fitness regime, so... Yeah. Well, I mean, the thing have that we're really... Have we had any confirmation of the four-and-a-half-hour interview? Because that's something that's just popped up all of a sudden, like today or yesterday, and I have not seen mentioned at all. It, it was known he was interviewed months ago. I, I've seen that around before. I couldn't oh, tell you exactly he would where. have been interviewed, but I haven't seen this four-and-a-half-hour interview sort of... Well, the, uh, time, the time's really irrelevant, though, isn't it? I mean, oh, the, well, the, the fact he was interviewed, interviewed <laughs> that's the point. In, in, in the defence of... Danaher and the Essendon fans, if if Asada knows that he's on the list or they're training with the club as an underage person, they would they would definitely. If I was there, I'd be all over that as a priority to make sure that we had as much time with him to ask to talk to him as possible, make sure that there was nothing even worse possibly happening to an underage player. So, and if he wasn't involved in the program, why was his father invited to the team? Uh, to the, every the parents play, meeting, every player on the list. Um, yeah. Was invited. I don't think there's this much. Is, this is going to be a thing. I tell you, if they work out that he was he was so much within, had a needle put in his body at age seventeen, it is a massive issue. Yeah, there's nothing worse than having child protection come down on you. <laughs> well, <laughs> sorry. Anyway, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's the comedy ding. <laughs> but, but, sorry, but, is that um, the champagne um, comedy thing? Is it, Miss? Uh, champagne comedy. Yeah, prosecutor, way too young but, to I mean, understand with that. The, um, with the uh, parents' uh, aspect of it, um, yeah, I mean, every parent uh, of a play has been invited, so it's not like it's only those with show course notices. Yeah. Well, uh... Uh, in, in addition to uh, the lack of players uh, and the sign-ups and everything, the lack of players has caused the cancellation of the VFL practice match on March 13th against Williamstown. Uh, not enough Essendon players available. Williamstown will play an internal trial instead, which I'm sure they're confident of winning. Um, the AFL was reported yesterday by Jake Nile, I think, uh, that they pushed for a shorter sentence at the, tribunals, uh, the tribunal hearing to absolutely no one's... Uh, no one's surprise, especially oh, messengers. I had it. I called it. I was the one saying that this is going to be a wet lettuce leaf wrapped in cotton wool. And a few weeks ago, was it last year? Malif- oh, no, they're going to be this and they're going to go to... It's going to be two years and... No, this is going to be a confected outcome. Absolutely the decision isn't The decision doesn't lie with the AFL in this case, though. They do hand this off to the tribunal. Then the Special Appeals Tribunal, which is, again, hosted by somebody else, and then CAS, if necessary. Yeah, ultimately, it, it's out of AFL hands to make that decision now, is it not? Yeah, pretty much. The AFL... Of the penalty, ha- yeah. The AFL... So it's in the hands of the tribunal that the AFL appointed? Yes. Yeah, which but is But it is heavily yeah. independent, though. Sure it's independent. They were appointed by the AFL. <laughs> well, I guess we'll see. I'm just... Uh, I, I will not be in the least bit surprised if we find their, their suspensions are done and dusted in yeah, May. Yeah, but they're going to be... If, if they get a light sentence... If they get a light sentence, Asada's going to appeal. If they get any sentence at all, they can't play until the appeal's heard. So... Either way, this... Yeah, out, well, there's, there's well, I guess unless that... So it's, uh, that um, that sentence is a couple of weeks. If they, if they get a, a three-week sentence and Asada choose to appeal, they can't play until the appeal's heard. So why Surely you... an appeal can't be heard within um, it, it'll what, be... a month or two, and the uh, suspended sentence would be... Or the, sus- the sentence would be done by then. They'd be back on the game. You'd and, think so, but they can't... Unless, Asada agree. They, they can't why play can't unless... Asada agree? Unless Asada agree to it, which they're not going to... McDevitt's already said they're not going to take some wet lettuce leaf punishment for this. So, if they don't get a decent amount of time, Asada will appeal. These guys won't be playing. You may as well deal the proper punishment at the right time. Get it out of the way. Essendon are going to... You have far more faith in Asada than I do. I have faith in the outrage that people have expressed over this to Asada. Not least from the government. I don't well, think I... You, you can't. When Cass is involved, you can't brush through this stuff 
and everything at this everything about this suggests it's going to go to Cass. One way or another, Asada have said that they're prepared to appeal if it's a light sentence. The players will appeal if the sentence is too harsh. This is going to go to Cass. Now, the fun part about Cass is the only person that currently sits on Cass in Australia that isn't involved in this is a guy I can't remember. But the other two guys are the, the other two the other two guys are opposing counsel in this. Yeah, Ian Holmes and David Grace. Themselves. Yeah, they wouldn't be involved. So there's just some random independent guy whose name I can't remember. They'll have to actually go to Switzerland, perhaps. Oh, this is going to be fun. But if they appeal, they can't play anyway. So get the punishment out of the way. Do look, honestly, when, as it comes to the... Uh, or regarding the AFL submission to say, look, make it a game suspension and, you know, maybe make it as little as possible if you could, it's, it's in no way... It should be in no way a surprise to anyone. And not because they think that the AFL is just, uh, you know, a little bit corrupt and, and just looking after themselves. But it's purely a business decision. It's, yeah, um, it's, if, of course it, it is. It's yeah. the right call. for The AFL has to do that. They have to express Absolutely. what kind of impact no, it's no, going no. to be. No, no, no. The AFL don't have to do that. The AFL are taking... I'm saying, I don't think this is a good thing. I think this is the AFL being craven and taking short-term commercial decisions. The right thing would be to say, you know what? We've got a problem in the game. We are going to demonstrate to the public that we're going to clear this out. Yeah. Sunshine is the best disinfectant. But it, that's not what they're doing. It's not a realistic uh, thing either, the though. Public. Give us a wet lettuce punishment if um, <laughs> at most. And the let's a, get on. The yeah. AFL's job in this was literally to say, this is the impact it's going to have on the game, and ideally, this is what we would like to see from the result. Do the AFL get to choose the punishment? In the terms AFL of have no say on the punishment. So in terms of if it's a SADA or some other body deciding, do they do it by games or time? Like back that, that's, The AFL want it done by games, not by time. Which is fair enough in a team-based competition. Asada won it done by time. And that's what the whole uh, AFL statement was about to Asada, apparently, was that it needs to be done by time, uh, not by time, by games played, which is more reflective of how a, a, a competitive team competition operates. I do find it funny that people are bringing up the fact that it's a team-based competition now when dismissing the possibility of entire team-based sanctions earlier. Yeah. How many games? Sorry, how many of the of the, the team based games did Cronulla get? Uh, three. 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 Yeah. Wow. And Asada came over the top then, didn't but he? Went to Cass. There's there's a no. slight there's a slightly different spin on that though. Uh, oh, well, in, what's what's the spin on that? In that Wada ruled that there was no point because the delays were attributable to Asada in that instance. Um, Asada aren't wearing that this time apparently, so. Wow. Because it was delayed this year through the federal court. Uh, it was delayed because uh, they waited until the federal court had completed to uh, finish off its uh, show cause notices or to reissue them rather. Um, and Judge Downs's review wasn't an Asada idea; it was a federal government idea. So Asada aren't taking responsibility for the delays here. So, Wookie, well, do you reckon uh, uh, the wet lettuce leaf approach is a two-game? Sort of backdated. I'm, I'm with Messenger on this. I, I think the AFL will try and get it out of the way by Anzac Day. Mm. Um, that's but obviously th their end game is to have the play uh, an actual proper spectacle for Anzac Day. Let's be that's, honest. That's always yeah. the, that's why the fixture was designed the way it was this year. Anzac Day is the game. That's what they want. But I don't think they're going to get it. And let's face it: if there's a guilty verdict, anything less than a year out of the game is a wet lettuce leaf. Yeah. Mm. Anyway, enough about this. We don't want to talk about Essendon all the time. I feel like salad now. <laughs> well, for, for, for like $8.50, yeah, you can buy salad. Salad. I'm going to fly over to Melbourne. You don't win day. friends with salad. You don't win members with salad either. All right. So <laughs> the AFL released uh, some details of its financial report for the year. But amongst those details was uh, reported that Andrew Demetrio and Gillan McLaughlin shared a total salary of $3.3 million last year. Um, they haven't specified exactly who got what, but it's believed that uh, Demetrio got $2 million for the seven months he was on last year. Uh, total AFL salaries were $5.9 million for the executives, uh, down uh, 800000 in 2013, which is probably almost exclusively Demetrio's salary. So, <laughs> uh, McLaughlin earned uh, about 1.3 million, apparently. The AFL also released, uh, said it made a $12 million surplus 
which is going to be invested in the future fund, which by my calculations sits at over $100 million now, given it's never been touched. It's only had money put into it. Even during the whole Suns and GWS thing, uh, they've never touched the future fund, so which isn't bad, given they've spent a lot of money on uh, GWS and the Suns. How much is in the future fund? Uh, by my calculations, now about $100 million. It was not. Uh, it was $89 million reported in the 2013 report, and they made a $16 million surplus, which I am not sure what they did with that, but generally that goes into the future fund. So, uh, and then this year What's they... What's the ha- future fund meant to incorporate? They haven't said it's for the future. So it, that's, they haven't said exactly. I would love to see, love to see Gil McLaughlin shave his head and, and do a bit of a scene from Doctor Evil as well. How much is the future fund? One hundred million. He's uh, but uh, it, it's basically there for contingencies and things in the future. So to bail which, out Carlton when they don't get enough members, or GWS when they can't stand on their own. Well, no, that's that's what the broadcast deals for. But <laughs> but um, yeah, this, this will probably end up being used to buy the stadium early. I suspect by Eddie had early. Um, the AFL has said that they uh, they uh, increased revenue last year from twelve million to four hundred and fifty eight million. That's the competition. That's not uh, the full uh, AFL company. Uh, that revenue will have gone up from about five hundred and five million to nearly five hundred and twenty million, I suspect. Uh, increased expenditure from six mil- uh, by six million to one hundred and forty two million. Uh, they had an increased operating surplus of $316 million, but a net profit drop from $4 million down to 12.5. Payments to clubs of $216 million, up $6 million from last year, almost all of which probably went to GWS. So, that's where the AFL is. We'll know more on the 25th of March when they have their AGM. Comments? Uh, thoughts? you got nothing. No, Has he stopped saying figures now? Yes, I have. I have some saying for you. <laughs> the boring part is over. Boys, if you get time, check out the uh, video I just sent in the... Um, yes, I saw that. The, the four link. worst... I, I was watching it while he was talking. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's, it's hard to believe people... Qualified AFL footballers can miss shots like that. <laughs> Gives well, me is, that the, uh, is that the... Uh... The got shot for goal, missed everything. Jamar missed, and then the the kick in from Frio missed, and then a kick in missed, and then another kick missed. Oh no, I've seen it. I've seen. It. I watched it live, dude. Oh. <laughs> I watched it. It was uh, classic Fremantle and Melbourne and Melbourne. Yes. All right, so we'll wrap up in a moment. But uh, for, before we do that, the round one, well, not round one, week one of the NAB Cup. There were a couple of games. Um, which I can't remember. But, um, what did uh, what did we learn from week one? Did we learn anything? Well, one thing I did like watching the um, the f- first few games is I didn't mind the four umpires on the field. It's something I didn't notice, but when they've talked and mentioned about it, I don't know if they picked out some better calls. I like the interpretation of the um, holding the ball rule. I think it's a good change from what I've seen so far. Um, and Do you think it's different? Because I think yes. I, when I watched the Hawthorne-Collingwood game, I reckon in the first 15 minutes, they were very, very... I reckon the interpretation even changed during that game. And it got less less stringent as the game went on. I think what they started with was... it was. I think we'd, we'd be up in arms in six weeks if we saw that all the time. You, could, you had the, your hands on the ball, you got tackled, it was holding the ball, that was it. I mean, it was... It's great it, to see, though, because you see the players learn and then they actually rather than wrap it in, try and tap it out and keep it moving. It's actually made it a bit better to watch the game and you can see what they're trying to do with it and pin you if you try and pick it up. And I like the way they play the calls just in the couple of nab challenges I've watched so far. I mean, my view is on that, that you it, it rewards the, the player. It gives too much reward to the player who stands back waiting for the other guy to get the ball. I think you've still got to reward footballers for going to get the ball in their hands not for the people who lurk around them. And, and I thought the balance was too much in favour of the guy arriving second at the contest. I still mm. think you've got to reward the guy who's willing to get go and get the ball. But I think that... The, the that, good players that still get the ball softened. away, though. Sorry? The good players still get the ball away, though, and they do give that opportunity once you've uh, got someone approaching you for the tackle. 
a good oh, look, player. I, I don't disagree with that. I don't disagree with that. But I, I thought they initially in the Hawthorne Collingwood game it was too too hot and heavy. I tell you, if I learnt one thing from week one is I love these games that are played outside the traditional stadiums. Um, just, I think people were ready for football this year. <laughs> I mean, pre-season games, I, I just... There were yeah. small stadiums and people... 15,000 at York Park for Hawthorne Collingwood. Now, yes, it's the first time Collingwood have been to Tasmania probably forever and probably the last time they go forever, but 15,000 in the pre-season is not bad, even stacked up against games played in the regular season. Well, yes. it's, it's it's actually substantially better than the regular season game. Mm. I think they averaged about 11,000 during the regular season. Mm. And, and I mean, 10,000 turned up... Well, 10,000 plus turned up at Mandurah for uh, West Coast Carlton. That's not bad. I mean, Mandurah's not that far out of Perth, but there you go. The Witten Oval had nearly 10,000 turn up for the Bulldogs in Richmond. Apparently enough for Peter Gordon to start demanding... Uh, that they consider playing AFL games there, regular season. That won't happen. Yeah. <laughs> Especially. <He's drunk>. <laughs> <laughs> Although there's still speculation that uh, the AFL is being pressured to move Fremantle and the Bulldogs from the Western Oval to, uh, not from the Western Oval, from Etihad Stadium to the Western Oval, which I'm sure Fremantle people will love. <laughs> that is <laughs> true. Somebody who's based in, part of the Victorian based Fremantle cheer squad. Well, yeah. the interesting thing about relocating a game to uh, a Simmons Stadium, if it, if it does happen, is our membership doesn't actually cover games in Geelong. I'm not sure what the deal is with the um, the membership. It's the way it's worked out, but I'm sure they'd have to honour our membership because we're ha- yeah, paid up for to. six games in Melbourne and we don't get um, that for the Geelong. And if they did shift it down there um, or to Witten Oval, um, I'm sure they'd honour it, but it'd be interesting to see if Whittenover could actually handle a Frio Bulldogs game during the season. I'm sure we only pick up around seventeen or 20,000 for the last few times we played the Bulldogs yeah, over so here. Take your own toilets down there, bring a porta potty at the back of your car mm. or something because uh, they have apparently real problems with the toilets there during the game. Uh, Brisbane St Kilda and Moreton Bay, 6,200 reported by the league. Uh, that's not too bad, even for a Brisbane game <laughs> Sorry, so can, we, can we, if we're going to be talking about this... Can we at least get the word Burp and Gary in this? It was a Burp and Gary, uh, which you. is which is also AFL. Uh, it's an AFL funded development at Burp and Gary uh, for the academies and things like that up there. So this is um, yeah, not a bad turnout. Adelaide North at Port Lincoln was sold out. Uh, Six thousand people turned out there. Um, I suppose it wasn't a bad idea. Gold Coast and Geelong had four, nearly four and a half thousand turnout in Townsville. Oh, these are all good crowds. Yeah, I like it. I don't know that you learn much from from a football point of view, though. Well, no, but you learn no. a lot. You learn a lot about the support that does exist for the game out there, though. Like yeah, these, I... these these people that don't see a lot of uh, the game. I, I, that's what I love about the NAB Cup or the NAB Challenge or whatever it is. Now, you get games out there, and we don't have to have these games in middle of the season, like you know the A League does or other other leagues do, where they have where they have this you know country round or whatever it is. So, and where are we uh, off to this weekend? Well, that's a Morewell. that's at Morewell for uh, More Morewell if you're Essendon and St Kilda, and I'm just running through that now. Hawthorne and North Melbourne going to Deakin Reserve in Shepparton. Yes, Shepparton <laughs> for that. Blacktown will hold uh, the Giants versus GWS Blockbuster. Uh, sorry, the Giants versus Gold Coast blockbuster. Coffs Harbour gets Sydney versus Brisbane. Uh, that'll be uh, nice for them. Obviously, Fremantle Oval tonight uh, gets a rare Frio game. That's kind of disappointing, I think, for Fremantle fans that they don't get to play at Fremantle more often. Uh, Collingwood and Carlton next week. So, it will be at Bendigo. It'll be a fun game. QEO. If it was at Ballarat, I was going to drive over for it, but Bendigo, bugger that. <laughs> Uh, Richmond, and, much nicer. Richmond and Port Adelaide will play at Lavington uh, in Albury on the 14th. Uh, Eureka Stadium for the Bulldogs in Melbourne uh, on the 14th. Uh, Essendon go to Spotless Stadium the uh, week after next. 
Cats have Adelaide at Simmons Stadium uh, this week on the 12th, I think. So, yeah, Norwood Oval. I, I love this game at Norwood Oval between Port Adelaide and West Coast. Um, this would be, I know I've said this before, but this would be like Carlton playing someone at Windy Hill. Yep. <laughs> this is an insult to Port Adelaide. Um, why they couldn't play this game at Alberton if they were going to have it at a uh, at a Sandville Grand is beyond me. But this is a an insult of the highest order in Sandville terms. Carlton would never play at Victoria Park, you know. But here we are. And, and just on the the, the topic, well, of not the well anyway. <laughs> is there uh, is there anything to read into or worth discussing about the guys who are getting um, some serious knee injuries and such? Uh, is there any relation to the grounds that they're playing on? Is there, is there anything worth actually talking about? Or is it just one of those, hey, it, it's pure roll of the dice. It may happen, it may not. This year might be worse. Next year, then we might get none. Yeah, I think it's roll of the dice. Well, I think some yeah. doctor for the AFL's come out and it said it's usually because of the uh, timing. Because if you look across every season, the ACL injuries all seem to be chopped at the start of the year. So it might just be in terms of player loading or training or... Uh, I do know um, or it's softening up over well, winter. Petrarca was interested in tra- injured in training, wasn't he? Mm. Yeah. Well, the I think it was yeah. Doc Larkins who came out and said he's done the research since the late 90s and, and sort of made these data sets of when people have hurt themselves. And the serious, like uh, 40% happened between, oh, this is all off the top of my head, so excuse me if it's wrong, like, uh, 40% was between January and March. And then there was something like um, maybe 30% were from um, April through to, to June. And then, um, so the, the, breaking it up into thirds, basically, and it went 40, 30, 20%, which really, is that statistically significant that much? Probably not. I'm not really sure. <laughs> you go, yeah. I think these things just trend, happen. But, yeah. I, don't, I don't think there's any way you can... I mean, it's not like they're putting, you know, fake bits and pieces in the middle of the ground to bounce the ball on for Sean Render trip over half a dozen times. I think this is just... Um, stuff happens. Yeah, I, I get the impression it's like if, if you flip a uh, an Australian twenty cent coin enough times, it, it's actually going to land on the other one side fifty point zero 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 six percent because of the design or something. Uh, yeah, who cares? <laughs> so, just before you sign off, if you're tracking memberships at all, Richmond have passed Hawthorne uh, for the first time in many a year. Oh my god! So, um... Frio's not too far away from chasing uh, West Coast. I think we're just shy of the fifty thousand or. Yeah, last reports, unless you've got something up to date that I don't, uh, 47,000 for uh, Fremantle. Well, look, congratulations to the Richmond people for for having a high membership in Hawthorne. That's terrific. We'll um, we'll just have to console ourselves with the premierships. I I, I won't mention anything about Hawthorne having a high membership revenue uh, per member. No, then, don't, because then, that wouldn't mean anything, would it? Then, then Richmond, even though um, they have eight thousand Tasmanian four-game members, that's right. You know, I won't, I won't mention that at all, because uh, I get into trouble if I bring up, you know, facts. Doesn't so, seem significant. Don't I, use, don't use statistics or logic. You know, right? I won't, I won't, I don't want to bring up the fact that even though they've got thir- uh, twenty-nine thousand more members than Carlton, they only made seven hundred thousand more dollars out of it. Um, which equates to about $36 a member. Well, that, that sounds like something that nobody would be very interested in, least of all Richmond members. <laughs> Go have a look at the thread in industry sometime, mess. <laughs> Go, in fact, I would encourage all, all the Richmond supporters listening tonight to get on that thread and tell Wookie what, they, what he thinks about I think, I about think the... they already have. <laughs> tell him again. I don't know. PM. Oh, yes. These are the pointless little things we argue about. <laughs> anyway, anything you guys wanted to bring up before we finish up that we haven't already discussed? Not that we haven't already discussed. When is this Asada thing going to be over? Please, please tell me. Never, when? Messenger. Never. It's going to oh. keep going God. and going and going. <laughs> this is. I tell you, it is going to end up in Cass. There is no way this doesn't end up in Cass, and that's going to be months away. It's, it's, if it's, it's this year, it's horrific. It, it has to go from here to uh, which ha- they haven't delivered on the tribunal yet. That's estimated to come before the season starts on April first, uh, April second. Uh, then it 
if they appeal, and someone will appeal, it goes to the AFL Special Appeals Tribunal. Who knows how long that takes to sit. Mind you, even if they deliver the verdict, they then have to have a sentencing hearing. That's uh, done separately. By the time they work this out, it's probably going to be about two or three players left on the Essendon list affected. Maybe Dustin Fletcher will still be around. By the time um... this is done, they will have died of old age. <laughs> Especially Fletcher. Oh, I've got one other one. We, we started talking about uh, the commentary uh, right at the start. Um, can someone can someone give me a bit of a status update on, on BT? What's he doing? Uh, oh. Doesn't he, isn't he calling for Triple M again? He shifted to an AM station, I believe. But not TV? Oh. I thought he was... No. I thought, oh, he's off I thought TV. he'd gone back to Triple M. Maybe. He's gone back to Triple M, hasn't he? I thought he was touring the countryside as a body double for Ian Hewitson. <laughs> but, uh... <laughs> he'd probably do well uh, commentating uh, Ian Hewitson on a uh, uh, barbecue. So... <laughs> it's... He'd have to the bra- he'd need braces. Yeah, yeah, he could do Ian Hewitson. Mm. He'd have to shave his moustache off. He could do Maggie Tabra. <laughs> Anything else, All guys? He doesn't do the footy. Anything or else? You could get Maggie Tabra to grow a moustache and be Brian Taylor. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I think that's about it for us uh, for another week. Thank you very much, Messenger. Please don't get hurt this weekend, boys. Yeah, no one wants to see anyone get hurt. Um, or do we? No, not really. No. <laughs> no one wants Let's to encourage us. Or, no. in, um, Clint Jones' Clang account on the weekend. Good night, mess- <laughs> good night, Messenger. Thanks for coming. Good night. Good night, Shantol. Thanks for coming on. Uh, thanks, Ollie. I'm just looking up the cult membership number. Uh, too late. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Good night, uh, Seppo. Good night. Thanks for having me on again. Thanks for coming, and congratulations on your win tonight and the grand final later in the year, apparently. Yep. And um, thanks for coming, Pross. You nearly forgot me. I did. I nearly forgot your name, because <laughs> you keep changing it all the time. Not my fault. And we'll see you all on the floor. Good night. Okay.